Have you ever heard the criticism that football leagues around the world are boring or non-competitive because they always have the same two or three clubs that win the title? I'm sure you have. And this is usually heard from a particular minority of soccer fans in the United States as an objection to how soccer is structured around the world. So it's no surprise this minority are generally MLS fans, reiterating the narratives they've been told by MLS content creators, whose incentives, of course, are to be in the good graces of the MLS bubble and gatekeepers. If you aren't already aware, I should remind you that the majority of football fans in the United States are not MLS fans. The vast majority of soccer fans in the U.S. don't care for MLS. But that's a topic for another day. Today, we're addressing this misguided, agenda-backed objection that open ecosystems create boring and anti-competitive leagues. Both assertions are wrong, because the framing of both competitive and boring are wrong. It's a framing that generally comes from not having experienced or been deeply immersed in the sport outside the MLS bubble. Now, per usual, allow me to reiterate my public service announcement, and that is this. If you have any skin in the American soccer ecosystem, whether you are a player, a parent of a player, a coach, an employee of a club at any level, a club or business owner, you are being significantly impacted by how the system is governed at the professional level. So to successfully navigate your situations in the short, medium, and long term, it is essential to not just focus on your local micro environment, but understand the macro as well. And if you decide that you want to make a difference at a larger scale and drive positive change, it's even more important to deeply understand the chessboard that you are a part of. Here at 343, we cover both the macro and the micro. And on the podcast, we're trying to alternate between the two. One episode, you might get a discussion on the nuances of a 4v1 rondo. On another, maybe we'll address how to train building out of the back under certain scenarios, or perhaps talk to a coach on a particular coaching employment issue they've encountered. Another day, maybe zoom in and address issues encountered in the youth game. There's countless of micro chats to be had. And we can have them because we've been there and done that. Then there's other episodes like this one where we go macro. Because again, the macro has great impact on your micro. And if I'm being honest, I feel a moral obligation to address the macro. Because the reality is, once I realized the existing monopolized system destroys opportunity and freedom for the vast majority, and that almost certainly includes you as well, I can't just turn my back on that. Even though I've long known that turning my back on this issue would have made me a millionaire. Yes, you heard that right. I would be a millionaire today if only I had aligned myself with the monopoly. Again, a topic for another episode, which yes, I will gladly share. Today, I'm hoping you'll gain some further insight into how this very, very wrong notion that the existence of a few super clubs who always win their domestic league is boring and makes for a non-competitive situation is indeed wrong. I wouldn't do this, guys. I wouldn't have these discussions if I weren't optimistic that real change, positive change can happen. And further, that this will help you in navigating your local situations. And now, a quick few second mentions of what sponsors this episode. It's the best way to support this podcast, but more important, greatly improve your current soccer situation. 
First, if you're a coach, you must check out 343coaching.com. There are both free and premium programs for you there. Second, if you're a parent of a youth player looking for how to best put them on a proper path, your solution is at 343masterclass.com. And third, if you'd consider going to a private school for academics, either in the States or in Europe, that also has an integrated soccer program, you should check out acceleratorschool.com. Critically important, these solutions for coaches, for parents, for players, are offered from people who have actually done the work and have an unprecedented track record in the United States. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just scratching the surface here, folks, but it's an important starting point for us to further expand down the line. Okay. Open systems, money will dominate and produce only super teams. All right. First off, so what? What's the problem? Um, see, I think this objection arises because American fans in general, American soccer fans, let's say in general, are mostly coming from or being drawn from the other sports. Uh, MLS's strategy as I've watched over the past 25 years, and of course the media, which it controls has tried to target the general sports fan in the United States, the American football fan, the baseball fan, the hockey fan, the basketball fan, and they've tried to attract them. It's interesting because it leads me to believe two things. One, that the product on the field that they are proposing or pursuing is one of just entertainment. Yeah. And not to form actual clubs with actual members in a club and an actual, an actual community feel like it is around the world. All they want is to be able to put on a show, sell some beer and nachos for people to, to get out instead of maybe going to the movies, they go out and watch the game, do a little bit of fireworks after the game, if the team wins or something. And that's what they're proposing because you're not going to attract. well, that's easy to do versus the other thing, which is put a quality product and actually attract hardcore soccer first people, um, to their product because hardcore soccer first people in our country are used to what is, what's done around the world. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a harder sell for us. Yes. So that's one thing is that they're attracting the general, uh, sports fan. What was your question again, Terry? I'm sorry. That the money will produce super teams only and got it. Be dominated by a couple got it teams. And so got it. And so the mentality of that general sports fan is that it's all about the trophy. It's all about the champion at, at the end of the season. And it's not about the journey or, or being part of something bigger than themselves necessarily. It's all about who wins in the end. And with that sort of mentality, then sure. When you look at soccer leagues across the world and you see Bayern Munich winning almost every year, or you see a duopoly kind of in a Barcelona Real Madrid, even though certainly in recent times, Atletico Madrid has been there and, and two other or three other clubs. Um, yeah, they think that that is not entertainment because you already kind of know who the champion is likely to be at the end of the season. Well, the soccer first cultures don't view it that way. The soccer first cultures 
it's not all about the trophy at the end of the season. It's about being a part of something bigger than yourself with respect to your community as well. So me being in Los Angeles, well, Los Angeles is a very big place. Okay. Um, so I'm actually in Orange County, if, if we're being technical about it. And if I zoom in even more, this, the city that's part of Orange County is even smaller. You know, there's no communal tie to Carson, which is where the LA Galaxy plays. There's no communal tie to LAFC, which is Los Angeles proper. It's like, where is my club here locally uh, to me to get tied to? Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be tackling the trophy thing. Um, gosh, Terry, I'm not having a good one here. Let me help you on sure, things. Please. So the community yeah. uh, is a, is a big deal. We talked last time about the Hudson river Derby, and those teams don't play in New York. Well, the, they play in New Jersey and there's not a neighborhood. Unlike places that we've been where we'll stay out of Europe, South America, you walk to the neighborhood stadium. There's no big parking lot. People just walk there. It's right in the residential area and right next to the stadium, there's restaurants and bars and, and it's right there. And then it's a club and they may have swimming or social membership where they go to barbecues and the picnics and they hang out and this is their extended family. It's not, we're going to New Jersey where it's not your home place. And it's the sense of belonging to something small. And the other thing, and it's kind of related and this is a little bit off topic, but I worry that us sports will become cityless and they will become nomads and there will be no sense of anything, but, oh, well, my team, I watch them on TV. I can't go to the game because they're playing in, in Europe this weekend. And now there's no home, there's no home and fantasy football, uh, fantasy leagues are, are destroying the team type thing. And I know it's evolutionary of trying to keep the kids to pay attention and become fans and supporters, but I just, uh, see a bad trend happening and maybe I'm just romantic because I've seen how, how entertaining and, and communal these little clubs are. Yeah. Okay. So man, thanks for taking over there for a second. Yeah. I wrote a couple of things that you stimulated. Uh, one, let me say the brief point here in the States, there is only ever one champion of our first division. It's MLS. Major league soccer is the only club in the first division. All of these teams are teams of the club that is MLS and they play with each other. Okay. They're like intra office games. Um, so MLS is the only one who is a, cha a champion every single year. And everybody who is outside of that MLS bubble doesn't get to partake in any way. So that's no, common. Yeah, they have no chance. There's no David and Goliath. There's no, there's nothing. There's no David. Yeah. There's, there's no encounter. There's absolutely nothing. Uh, two, hold on, Terry. Let me write this down Two, let's talk a little bit about parody. Okay. Especially when it's of the enforced kind, like here, even though it seems the league does make, do some maneuvers here or there to favor a certain franchise, certain years and, uh, and others, other years to kind of, I don't know, generate maybe storylines or break up, uh, dynasties or who knows, but regarding parody, I think it is the most boring thing on earth 
because what's more interesting, playing Texas Hold'em or the roulette? If you go play roulette, it's just a random number generator. There is no real skill involved. There is no uh, strategy involved or tactical maneuvering involved. It is literally flipping a coin. You just have 38 possibilities instead of two. Um, sure, there's black and red, playing the columns, playing all these variations or whatever, but it is a random number generator. There's, it's not interesting. Maybe from an outsider's perspective, doesn't see that. They see that as exciting because certainly there are people around the roulette wheel that get excited. Yeah, there's that maybe anticipation or whatever, but I think you get my point here. Um, when you have a significant disparity between the top of the table and the low and the bottom of the table in a league, it offers so much more diversity in the football, so much more diversity in the strategy that, and the tactics that are employed, uh, both during match day and then in every piece of the process from scouting to what players you're going to acquire, what players you're going to sell, knowing the inherent limitations of your club versus a Goliath to structure your way such that you have a puncher's chance with the big boys. That is interesting because when you see a Real Madrid play a Sporting Gijón or something like this, yeah, Madrid is going to have 70% possession which is interesting because it offers a puzzle for Real Madrid. How do you break down this team when you have overwhelming position or possession and they are bunkered in? And on the flip side, how is Sporting Gijón going to withstand the pressure, overcome it, give yourself some opportunities to score, to even draw the game, or who knows, maybe even win one out of 15 times that you guys play each other. It's fucking fascinating, Terry. And when you are watching that game, if you've been a soccer first person for long enough or have, you know, uh, gone up on the learning curve, and I'm not trying to be derogatory here, you see there's so much tension in that match. The match starts, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Minute 25, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Minute 35, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Real Madrid start, starts thinking, man, we need a fucking score before halftime. Like, or otherwise, this is going to get complicated on, on us. And our title hopes are on the line here. We can't drop points to Sporting the, the Gijón, right? Um, and the Gijón, and same with the Real Madrid fans, they're fucking sweating bullets right now. They're like, Jesus Christ, fucking, we can't fucking score. And the, and the clock's ticking, 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 ticking. And on the other side, the Gijón fans are like, yes, we're hanging in there. Yes, we're hanging in there. We have a chance. We have a chance. Oh, we have a corner kick. Oh my God, we have a corner kick. Anything, anything can happen. We have a corner kick. It's fucking amazing, Terry. And we're recording this right now on the day that they call decision day here in MLS, where it's the last uh, fixture of the season to see who's going to be in playoffs and who's not. All of a sudden, MLS fans, get a little taste of what it's like for a game to actually mean something. Now take that 
and multiply it by 34 games in a season. That is what the rest of the world is experiencing. But when you have parity and you have this randomness and half the teams make the playoffs and you're on week five of the MLS season or week 12 of the MLS season or week 20 of the MLS season, and people are kind of like, not that separated in points to make the playoffs, you know, every week, you know, you can have a three-year point swing and the whole picture changes. The games don't fucking matter. You know what I'm saying? So when you have parity, the games don't fucking matter. It's a rule. It's a th roll of the dice week after week after week. People might go to the stadium, but to get a hot dog, nachos and beer, it's not, they do not feel the tension that I just described between Madrid and Sporting de Gijón. And whether it be week one, five, 10, or 33, that is what's happening every single fixture over in Europe. You know, I have a player uh, in Portugal. They just got promoted to the first division. Okay, this is Alex Mendes. Every single match, my friend, is the most intense thing on earth. They are fighting for their lives every single match. As is, as is the club, as is the coach. And whoever is informed, whoever is looking best, whoever the coach thinks is going to get him the best chance of earning points, that's who's going to play. There is zero charity over there. And vice versa. Two weeks ago or three weeks ago, the fixture was Viseda, which is Alex's club, against Benfica. Okay. Benfica, well, no introduction required, hopefully. Zero, 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 zero. Visela is having opportunities left and right on the Benfica goal. And they kept panning the camera over to the president of Benfica, Rui Costa. And because he had just come off of a draw in the domestic league against a mid low table team, he just had come off a four zero drubbing against Bayern Munich in the champions league. And now it's. Zero zero halftime against FCV Sela, which just got promoted from the second division. And now it's the 70th minute, zero zero, and not just a zero zero with Vicela like bunkering. No, no, no. Opportunity after opportunity after if you look at the statistics, Vicela had more shots than Benfica did. Okay. I think it was like 15 to 14 or something like that. 80th minute, zero zero. 90th minute, zero zero. Eight minutes of added time. In the 98th minute, Benfica scores a goal. And the players on Benfica went bananas, okay? And like they had just won the Champions League. And Rico stole up in the stadium, bananas. Because this is critical. And we were on week nine. I think it was fixture week number nine. Beautiful. Of the season. Absolutely beautiful. This is what it's about. And it was at Vicela's home. So... That's a small city, small community, tight-knit community. They were going crazy the entire game, Terry. That's what it's about. We know Vicenda is not going to win the Portuguese league. Not this year and probably not in, in the near future unless something comes in, like an oil sheet comes in and says, okay, you're my club. Let's build this sucker out. It doesn't matter, okay? Or a Leicester-type situation. Because it is so it's bring that one in. for Leicester City FC, come up, you know, and win the Premier League. Vicela could win the, the league as well. It exists. The probability is not zero. So 
I, would, I was going to bring Lester up. It was the most exciting EPL season in the last 10 I can think of. For sure. It was great. For Great. Sure. Amazing. And while we're on this thread, and since I follow so many of the national American national team players overseas in Europe, there's another one, 19-year-old young kid, Gianluca Busio. He just got transferred to Italy, Venezia, okay? Just got transferred, uh, yeah, whatever it was during the summer. And Venezia had just been promoted from the second division as well. So similar story. They played Roma yesterday, or was it today? I don't recall. They beat Roma three to two. Roma, we, we no introduction required, I hope. Jose Mourinho is the, is the manager of Roma. They just won. That's three incredible points because that we're week number 10 or 11, they were sitting in the relegation zone. Those three points popped them up. Three, you know, three spots above the relegation zone. Fucking huge. And on top of it being huge and the fans going crazy because they were also playing at home, Roma now is in trouble. How did you drop points to this club? And Jose Mourinho feeling the heat as well. <laughs> because Jose Mourinho actually lost, what was it, two weeks ago in not the Champions League because they're not in the Champions League, uh, Europa League against, I think it's, it's the Norwegian um, not the Norwegian champion, but the, the, the club in Norway that came in second place last season and qualified for Europa, Roma lost to them. This is what open competition is. Yes, that Norwegian team's not going to win Europa League. And yes, Venezia is not going to win Serie A. That is not the point. And the people who support them don't care about that. They don't. And you could do a survey of their supporters coming out of the stadium, all right, they just lost in the 98th minute or whatever. Did you have a good time? Was this great? It was great. We're going to talk about this all week at work. We're not going to do work. We're going to talk about the game, analyze it, relive it. And it's just the way it is. And it's not unique. I mean, you personalized it because you know the players, but it's everywhere. Every place we go, it's the same you want to live there and experience that. And someday when I have enough money to retire, I'm going to go buy a season ticket where Bielsa's coaching at the time. But if it's Leeds and I have to suck up for the weather for a year, I can't think of better entertainment money than that. Or to get into some local team that I don't even know and just go there and just go to the games and go to the bars and before and blend in with the crowd. It's fun. And then this is something back. I was thinking, I, I tell you, people my age, if you ask them in your lifetime, what was the best NBA memories that you have? I bet a lot of people say the Lakers-Celtics rivalry dominated for, you know, what, 10 years, two teams, and that was okay. Now the people worried about pro rally are like, well, what if that happens? Well, Celtics-Lakers was a good era. And that was, it was long, dominating, and until Jordan came along with the Bulls, and took the focus away, which happens all the time in, in the soccer world. It's not like there's been a hundred years of Barcelona, Madrid, and La Liga. It's not. And Italy, same thing. Italy's gone through ups and downs, and it just, it doesn't happen, you know, every, every 10 years, but the cycle is real. And they, they don't dominate like people are worried about. 
Barca's mid-table, who knows now when Xavi comes back, it might give them a resurgence. But yeah, it's not set in stone. It's not forever. But here, it's forever. MLS is forever. Forever. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one of the rebuttals that we might come up against on this topic is that, well, Gary, I hear you. I hear you about the story with Venezia. I hear you about Leicester. I hear you about Vizel. I hear you about the community thing. I hear you about it not being about the trophy. I hear you. But we're in the U.S. It's different here. We don't have that culture. Yeah. And to that, we have to make it clear that we do have that culture. It just, that culture is not allowed to flourish in any way. And so two things with respect to that comment. One, when I say we have the culture, I could be referring to the millions of soccer first households in our country, primarily comprised of the immigrant demographic, whether it be the enormous Mexican, Mexican American community, Central and South American communities, but also the European and the African and the Asian communities that are here in our country. They are locked out of this and they do have the culture of community-based soccer clubs feeling a member of something as I've just described. It's not allowed, so you don't count them. One, Uh, two is even if you are not from those communities and you are the prototypical MLS target demographic soccer fan, which is the casual sports fan or the general sports fan, unlock this and you will see how they will flourish as well. You don't think that if you opened the NBA to promotion and relegation with the lower levels that the bars are going to get full and packed to see the relegation battles. Like if, if, if the Philadelphia 76ers are about to go down, if in the next three or seven NBA matches, they don't get some victories that they're not going to be, I mean, that community is going to, it's going to be packed, Terry. And the Sixers stadium or wherever it is, the arena is going to be packed during those last games because of the threat of going down. And on the flip side, the second division of basketball in our country, that would flourish immensely across the entire table, not just at the top end. The top end will go bananas. It'll be like March Madness. Who's going to get to play in the NBA next year? Are you fucking kidding me? It'll be an explosion of entertainment and an explosion of attention. And further down the table in the second division of basketball, those communities are going to aggregate even the greater numbers to support their team because there's something to play for now. There's, I don't even know what second division basketball here is or what it looks like. I, I don't care if you have the opportunity that if you come in first, second, or third place or whatever, that you're going to be in the NBA next year. Are you fucking kidding me? Everything you're imagining. And and then so. And who gives, so who gives a shit if there is a superpower, uh, two or three teams in the NBA that 
usually win all the time. Who gives a shit? It's all about all this other stuff. Yeah. Our sports only have that one story of who wins the top. And by the way, Whereas, it, we should probably do an analysis. I, I know people have done this, but we should do it ourselves and, and help our audience with the facts and the data. These dynasties exist in American sports too. You know, back in the day, you just mentioned Lakers Celtics. Well, they freaking dominated for who knows how many years. It was only them two who would always win. Um, talk, look at the New England Patriots, you know, in American football. How many in a row were they getting? Oh, who else is, like, who was watching the Cleveland Browns play or Detroit Lions? Like, at the beginning of the season, you know, you could, at the beginning of the season, you can rattle off over half the NFL teams and with almost certainty that they're not going to win. So what's the point there? You see, and it still happens to work, doesn't it? It does. Yep. And it could be better. All right. One more, Terry. One more, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Like you've always thought, any one of these questions could be a full-blown podcast. No question. And I just want to make it so... I mean, we can release these free-flowing stream of consciousness ones, no problem, just for the authenticity's sake or whatever. But I'd also like to grab this and for each one of these sort of objection questions, whatever, we craft perfect narrative and, and a perfect story where there are little holes to be poked in. Just make it so freaking self-consistent. Okay, the third one. Then I probably have to jump. Oh, third question. I thought you were going to be a third point of there. First answer. Okay. I'm going to extrapolate on number three a little bit. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches. You can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels. Nonsense. We've proved it at every single level, and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program. Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. And if you're interested in a solution that blends both academics and soccer, there's even the opportunity to do this in Europe as well. To learn more, visit acceleratorschool.com. Until next time, cheers everyone and keep building.